Amen. Well, I got a question for you. If you if you think the will of God, knowing the will of God is important, why don't you raise your hand? That's everyone in here. Okay. Well, I'll pray and we'll close and then we'll get out of here because no, 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 I'm just kidding. There's the will of God is so important, and yes, I think a lot of us have an understanding that the will of God is important, and knowing it is important to our lives, but I think that also at the same time, we have trouble understanding the will of God for us. And so what I want to do tonight is, is I want to kind of help us understand the will of God. Now, when we look at God's will for us, I believe that there are, are two distinct wills that we see in the Bible, and they're not in competition with one another, they're just distinct in the sense that one is his unique will for each of us individually. And so, so God has a will for your life that you're supposed to live out, that you're supposed to go on this path that God is giving you, and that's the unique will that God has for you. Now, on the other hand, the, the, the second will of God is that there's a universal will that we are all supposed to be pursuing, that we're all supposed to be going after, that we're all supposed to be doing, and that universal will is the written will of God, which is found in the Bible. And so we have a responsibility to pursue not only the universal will of God, but also to pursue the unique will of God, to know what God has called us to, to understand the individual calling and the individual gifting that God has placed on our lives. Now, I don't know if you guys are like me, but there was a phase in my Christianity where I wanted to know the unique will of God, but I was so frustrated because it seemed like God was keeping it a secret from me. It seemed like, I was like, I feel like I'm doing all the right things. I feel like I'm worshiping well and I'm doing all this stuff. But God ain't budging. He ain't telling me what the unique will of God is for my life. And if you guys know me at all, uh, I hate secrets. Uh, I, I absolutely hate secrets. They drive me buku bonkers insane. Like, I, I, I cannot stand not knowing things. And I see a lot of the women laughing in here because you guys know exactly what I'm talking about because you can't stand secrets being told without y'all knowing either. And, and I, I get that. I totally get that. I relate. And to me, it just seemed like God was keeping a big secret from me. And, you know, we, we look at, when I was younger, we used to have this saying. And we said, secrets don't make friends. And we would say that to our friends in the effort to try to get them to tell us what the secret was. And it never worked, by the way. It never, ever worked. And so I found myself frustrated because I felt like my unique gifting, the unique path that the Lord had for me, was being hidden by God. And so what I quickly began to do was I began to watch messages and I began to study this principle of these wills. And what I found out was, was that the universal will, if we pursue that with all of our heart, if we pursue that with all of our strength and with all of our might, what happens is when we pursue this universal will, we then get to find out what the unique will of God is on our lives. And so they're in direct relation to each other, but you have got to be pursuing the universal will, the written will of God, before God begins to reveal the mysteries of your life to you. And so this is imperative, this is important to get. And so yes, your unique gifting, your unique purpose that God has placed on your life, the things that only you can do, the people that only you're meant to reach is important. But you will never get to knowing that and stepping into that will unless you know the universal will of God. So how do we know God's will for our lives? Like what is it? How do we know what it is? And what are the things that we can do in order to know God's will and do it. And these are the questions I'm looking to help us answer tonight. And so in order to do that, we're going to be going to a passage in 1 Thessalonians 5:16. And this uh, this is a letter that is written by Paul to the church in Thessalonica, and this is what it says. It says, "Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." Now, 
Uh, this is three verses right here, and so if you wanted to memorize three verses of Scripture really easily, this is probably the easiest thing that you can do. So why don't we all say it together? Let's go back to verse 16, Heather. It says, say it with me, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Isn't that amazing? Like, like, this is God, this is Paul, the Holy, the Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul here, and he's saying, this is the will of God for your life. This is something, these are three things that you should be doing that are a part of God's will for you. God's will written down, and it's, so, it's spoken so plainly to us. It's spoken so plainly. And so this is his universal will that we are supposed to follow if we call him our Lord and our Savior. Now, when it says that this is God's will, what Paul is really trying to communicate to us here is that this is an imperative or a command from God. He's not saying, well, maybe you should rejoice if you feel like it. No, that's not what the will of God is. The will of God is, is a command or imperative. He's not saying, well, maybe you should give thanks in all circumstances. No, 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 no way. No, this is something that God desires for us to do. He wills for us to do it. And when we don't do it, we are going against the will of God. And I believe that this is part of the reason why some of us can't get a hold of the unique will of God in our lives. Right. It's because we have been entrusted this written will of God, and we've been entrusted with this. And God's like, if you're not willing to steward this and do this, why would I reveal the mysterious, the unique will of God to you? How do I know that you're going to steward the gifting on your life well if you can't even steward this well? And so God is about faithfulness. God is about seeing us uh, being faithful in a certain area, and then he will bless us with more in that area. And so I believe in the area of the will, we need to do his written will. And then as we go along with the written will, the unique will will be uncovered or revealed to us. So another thing I want us to notice about the verses is that we are supposed to do these things all the time. Now it said, it said always. The first verse says always. Now I didn't take Greek in college and I'm about to graduate from college, but I can tell you this. When, when Paul, he says this in the English, he says always. And this is really deep and this is really crazy, but when Paul says always, it means always. <laughs> Boom. Mind blown. It means always, like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so when he says that we need to rejoice always, it literally means always. And then the other two verses use very similar language by using terminology like without ceasing, always, and in everything, always. In everything, without ceasing. These are continuous things that we're supposed to be doing every single day of our lives. We are meant to be always doing these things. And we'll get more into this as we go through the message. But I want to dive deeper into the three things that Paul mentions here. Because I believe that if we can get a hold of this written will of God, these three things that Paul says is the will of God, then we will get to see more of the unique will of God be revealed to us in our lifetimes. And not just that, but we're going to be closer to God because we have pursued the written will of God. So, number one is this, rejoice always. One of the shortest verses in the Bible, rejoice always, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Now, this word rejoice simply means that we are to have joy in the Lord. This is why Paul tells us in Philippians 4.4 that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. There's an exclamation point there, so you got to say, rejoice, you got to yell it. Uh, and so, we are to rejoice in the Lord always. Now, you can't rejoice always apart from the Lord. That's right. 
It's not possible. The only way that we can have a a constant and a lasting joy is if we are in relationship and in communion with God. You see, if we look at all the other religions of the world, they would probably say, yeah, uh, we offer, you know, our God offers joy, but it's nothing like what our God offers because we have the Holy Spirit, and one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy itself. And so we should be finding ourselves in a constant state of joy, and only God can give us the lasting joy that we pursue and that we want in our lives. Now, here's the problem. When I look at Christians as a whole, and not really this church as much, but as I look at Christianity as a whole, what I tend to see is is I see a lot of grumpy Christians. I see a lot of Christians who are unhappy, Christians who are dissatisfied with life, and I've definitely been there, and I have my moments where I experience this, and if you're in that boat, I can tell you there's a way out tonight, but uh, I see unhappy Christians, and a lot of times, you know, they just get so down about life, and they're like, yeah, me and the wife, you know, just got another argument, and the Cowboys got blown out by the Bills on Sunday, Uh, I had to listen to Dak say, yeah, here we go, for three hours, and nothing, you know, in that amount of and nothing and we lost and then the job's going terrible and life just stinks right now. Okay, that may be true. Life may not be good right now, but that doesn't change the fact that you're supposed to have joy abounding in your life as a Christian. And so we as Christians, we can look at our lives and we can evaluate it and say, all these things are going wrong, but that doesn't matter because God calls us in his will to have joy no matter what. So we're supposed to have joy always. Now then, you may be like, how in the world is this possible? How, how can you have joy all the time? And the reason why we can have joy all the time is because our joy is found in the Lord. And when you begin to think about all that he's done for you, every single fire he's pulled you out of, every single circumstance that you've had to walk through that he's pulled you through, when you begin to think about all that stuff, you can't help but have joy. Because the things that he's done in the past, every time he saved you in the past, he's going to do it in the future as well. God is faithful even when we're not faithful, which is an amazing thing about God. And so we can have joy no matter what because everything that we do, God is making a way for us. As long as we're in his will, as long as we're following him, God is making a way for us. When I look at the Bible, when I was thinking about this principle, I immediately thought of Paul and Silas. And so Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, to give you context, they are ministering to these Gentile Gentile people, and so they're doing this, and then all of a sudden, this demon-possessed girl comes up to them, and she's following them around for like many days, the Bible says. Many days it says that this girl is following them around, and what is unique about this girl is that she is a slave, and so certain people own this girl, and what is happening is is this spirit that's in her is giving her some ability to do divination or fortune-telling or things like that, and so they're using this demon-possessed girl to make a profit because she's going out and she's telling things, about, telling people things about their lives, and they're making them pay for it. Well, it says in the Bible that Paul and Silas begin to get greatly annoyed with this girl because they're following, the, she's following them around, and uh, for many days, and she's yelling out these things behind them, and it's just annoying. And so Paul finally says, you know what, I'm going to deliver this girl, set her free. And so he does this, sets her free from this demon, and the guys who own her, who are making a profit off of her, are upset. 
because all of a sudden there ain't no more money coming in. She ain't got the demon to do anything to make them money with. She's no longer going to be able to fortune tell or do divination. And so they're upset and they say, hey, there's these Jews and, you know, they, they've caused a disruption. And so they went to the rulers and they said, can we have them thrown in jail? And the rulers obliged. They throw them in jail. So Paul and Silas have been wrongly thrown into prison. And so we're going to pick up the story in Acts 16, verses 25 and 26. And this is what Luke tells us in that, in that chapter. He says, About midnight, while Paul and Silas are in prison, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, I don't know about you guys, I've never been in prison before, but I had to, I'd have to imagine it would be pretty rough if I were to be in prison, okay? Like, like I, I would be uh, kind of upset, especially because the way that they were thrown into prison. They were thrown in wrongly. What the ruler said they were doing, they weren't actually doing. And so Paul and Silas had every worldly reason to not have joy. They, they had every worldly reason to say, you know what, I'm going to be really upset. I'm going to be really angry about this because I'm wrongly here. Why would God let this happen? Why, why, why is this happening to me? No, 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 no. That's not the response they had. It says that they sang hymns so loud that the other prisoners could hear them. So they weren't just whispering these songs. They weren't just kind of, you know, just muttering through these songs. No, they were singing songs of hymns. They were singing praises to the Lord. In other words, what were they doing? They were rejoicing in that moment. Why? Because they knew the results already. They, they could count on the fact that God was going to move and God was going to work in their lives. So what's the result of their rejoicing? What is the result of them doing this? Verse 26 says this. It says, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. There's power in our rejoicing. There's power. When we say, you know what, even though I'm in a tough time, even though I don't deserve what's happening to me, even though what's happening to me is wrong, I'm going to rejoice no matter what. And get, let me tell you, there is something especially powerful in the tough times about rejoicing. So, so powerful. It reminds me of the song, you know, we sing the song on Sunday, it's called Yes, I Will. And something that I want to make known to you guys is that rejoicing is a choice. Like, it's not something that just happens and flows out of us. No, you choose to rejoice. And that's why the song says, I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. Because it's a choice that you have to willingly make to say, I'm going to praise. And then the song goes on to say, uh, talk about how even in the valleys of life, I'll praise your name. Even when my heart is heavy, I'm going to praise your name. It doesn't matter what your life looks like, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, choose to praise. Choose to rejoice. I saw this. I was faced with this predicament uh, a couple months ago. Uh, and so uh, I was upstairs studying, getting ready to preach at, this, at, not Discovery Camp, at Youth Camp, Camplify. And I had to preach twice. And so I was up there and I was studying for my messages and I was getting ready. It was Sunday night, the night before we leave for camp. And I was just sitting there and all of a sudden, I felt something fall in my mouth. A lot of you guys know where this story is going already. Uh, I felt something fall in my mouth. And I was like, what in the world is that? And I thought it was just like a large chunk of food or something. Turns out the large chunk of food was my front tooth. And so I was like, <laughs> I, was like I, I, I stuck my finger in there and I pulled it out. I was like, oh, good night, nurse. This is my tooth right here. And I was like, please don't let it be a front tooth. And so I ran into the bathroom really quick and I smiled real big. And here you go. 
And here's the gap right here that I saw like, in the flesh. And so I sat there and I was like, and I was freaking out. I was freaking out at that time. Okay, there we go. And so I was going crazy. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to go to discovery camp. How am I going to study the rest of the night? I'm missing a tooth. It's Sunday night. Don't all bad things happen on Sunday night when nowhere's open? I mean, come on. And, uh, and like, I have nowhere that I can go and get this fixed. And what am I going to do? And so I went over to Kroger and I bought some fix in it. And I tried, you know, putting denture cream up there to try and put it back. Didn't work. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I was like, this is, this is horrible. I'm going to go to youth camp and I'm going to get destroyed by these teenagers all week for looking like a hillbilly. And so I, I'm going crazy. My mind is going crazy. And for like three or four hours, I'm sitting there and I am so upset. I am so angry that this happened to me because the dentist messed up a while ago. And so I, I'm just upset. I'm angry. And then I was faced with the realization, I have a choice. I can either be upset and angry for something that I felt I didn't deserve. I didn't, I didn't think I deserved to lose a tooth. It's not like I got punched or something. It just fell out. And so I, I, I had a decision to make. I said I could either be really hurt about this and really upset about it, or I can rejoice and believe God that God's going to work it out for my good. And so what I did was I decided, I was, you know, I was like, I'm going to take a moment and just thank God for all the things that he's done for me and that I can lean on my past experiences with God to know that this is going to get taken care of no matter what. And so I did that, and then eventually what happened the next morning was, was I called some dentist places before we had to leave for camp, and they ended up getting me a retainer with a tooth built in, so now it doesn't even look like I have a missing tooth. And so it all worked out. It all worked out for me. And that's kind of a silly example because some of you guys right now are going through very real life examples, very real storms, very real hardships right now. But I'm here to tell you, have joy. Rejoice in the middle of it. There is a way out. God will provide you a path to get out of the storm you're facing. And it will happen quicker if you rejoice, if you have joy in this moment. So rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And even in the mundane things, even, even in the normal everyday life, I find myself a lot of times when things are good, I'll rejoice. When things are bad, I'll rejoice. Every day we need to rejoice. Just a couple days ago, I was going to put up the mower back there. Normal day, normal day. And I was listening to worship music and I just felt the joy of the Lord come over me. And so I started dancing back to the mower. And so I'm not going to show you my dance moves. It's probably really embarrassing. But I, I was dancing out to the mower. I was doing this dance. And so I, then I sat down on the mower and I just felt like there were eyes watching me in that moment. I just felt, felt it in the back of my head. And I turn around and Pastor has seen me do this entire dance. He's, he's sitting at the back door. And I'm like, you saw that, didn't you? He was like, sure did. And I was like, oh. Oh my gosh. But here's the deal. I'm okay with that. I was rejoicing. I was having a moment in the normal day-to-day -day life with God, and I didn't care if anybody saw me. I was going to dance like David danced with the Ark of the Covenant. I didn't care. And so we need to rejoice in the good times and the bad times and in the normal times, because God is worthy of that. And so it's up to you whether or not you're going to choose to rejoice always. If you want to do God's will, which I think most of us do in this room, you'll choose to rejoice. Number two, we have to pray without ceasing. This is the second universal will of God for our lives. We have to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. This simply means that we're going to be in a consistent state of communication with God. Consistent. Consistent. It doesn't have to be 24-7, 60 minutes in an hour. It doesn't have to be like that. You, you, know, you don't have to tell people that you can't talk to them because you're too busy praying. No, that, that's not the way it's supposed to be, no. But it's supposed to be consistent. Now, this is really hard for us to do in the current technological and social climate that we live in. And the reason why I think that is is because we live in a world full of distractions. 
full of distractions. And if I'm being honest, the main source of that distraction is this right here. It's your iPhone, it's your Pixel, it's just your phones. And so we have these smartphones, and uh, myself included, we feel the need to be entertained all the time. If there's ever a lull in our day where we're not doing work, where we're not hanging out with somebody, sometimes even if we are hanging out with somebody, we feel the need to be on our phones. And it's got to stop because what's happening is, is that we have to be amused all the time. And then when it comes to praying without ceasing, we're like, ah, oh, that's boring. I don't want to do that because it's not entertaining. But what if I told you life wasn't about being entertained 24-7? What if I told you life was about living with God and, and doing His will? So, so what this looks like in our lives is well, we get on our phones and then many of us, we read the news. And then when we're done with the news, we go over to our social media apps. We go over to Facebook, and we scroll through Facebook, and we've seen everything that we can see on Facebook. Then we move over to Instagram or Twitter, and we do that. And then we go on to TikTok. By the way, let me give you my two cents on TikTok really quick. I'm not going to tell you how to parent, but I've seen things on TikTok that if your kids have TikTok, they should not be seeing, okay? I'm just going to put that. That's my two cents. I don't have TikTok because I feel like I, I struggle as a Christian if I have TikTok on my phone. That's my two cents. Besides the, besides the point, rabbit trails, take that for what it is. So we do all this stuff on our phone. And we waste hours on end every day on our phones. And then what we'll do is once we're done spending hours on the phone and all of our entertainment has run out there, what we'll do is, is we'll then go over to the TV. And then we turn on our favorite TV show. Or we turn on the sports game. Guilty. I do that all the time. Instead of taking time out of our day to say, you know what, I'm going to spend time praying to God. Even, even if it's not, you know, yes, we have our quiet times in the morning or our times in the evening, but we are meant to have a time with the Lord all the time. And here is the reason why. It's because God loves us. God loves us and he wants us to talk to him. And I was thinking about this and I was thinking about, um, you know, I personally, I cannot wait to be a father one day. Like, I, I am so excited to have kids. I'm so excited to, to, to have children. And like, that, that is something, a passion that I cannot wait to step into. But I can't do that right now because I'm not married, obviously. And so I have to wait. And so the way that I fill that hole is, is I get to hang out with your kids here. And so I, I uh, that's why I love Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights because I get to hang out with, specifically, you know, I just hang out with the teenagers, but after services and before services, I get to hang out with the preschoolers and the elementary kids. And I love that. I love talking to them and picking their brain. And I, I love when they give me the cheese touch and stuff like that. If you know, you know. And so uh, I, I love being able to experience that. And the best part about them not being my kids is, you know, if they ever annoy me or they bother me, I'm like, here, take it back. And so I don't have to, like, I don't, it's, it's annoying me. And so I don't want it anymore. And so that's the best part about not having to worry, you know, not being a parent right now. I have to deal with that eventually. But I'm not their parents, and I love talking with them. I love communicating with them. And you as their parents probably love it so much more than I do when your kid comes and talks to you. And let me tell you, God loves it even more than you love it when we go to talk to him. Well, like, I, I don't think that we understand how much God delights in our prayers. Like, I, I just feel like it puts a, a smile on the face of God when we go to him and we tell him about our day and we tell him that we need him and we intercede for other people. I just feel like God gets so happy when we do that. And we have this kind of idea about prayer that it's just we throw up our prayers and that's it. What's done will be done. But we need to look at prayer relationally rather than transactionally. It's not about, it's not about an exchange of goods. 
It's about a relationship. It's about cultivating a closeness with the Lord. Think about it this way. So a lot of you guys in this room have wives. Well, what if you woke up in the morning and you talked to your wife for 30 minutes and then you didn't talk to her for the rest of the day? Some of y'all are going to be in the doghouse when you get home from work later because your parents are really upset or because your, your wife is really upset that you didn't talk to them. And so my point here is, is that a healthy relationship is built on constant communication. You can't have a healthy marriage if you don't communicate with your husband or your wife consistently, and your relationship with God will not be healthy if you are not communicating, him, communicating with him consistently throughout your day. So yes, the prayer time in the morning is so, so important, but it's just as important to say, you know what, I'm going to talk to God while I'm on my drive to work. I'm going to pray continually. When I get to work and I have a moment to breathe, I'm going to talk to God in that small moment where I get to talk to him. When I get home, I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to thank him for my family. I'm going to thank him for all these things. And so prayer continually is an earmark of doing the universal will of God. Ephesians 6.18 says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Multiple times. Multiple times that, that Jesus tells us, or not Jesus, but Paul tells us that we should be praying continually in the Spirit, in your prayer language, you know, bada Honda, shoulda bada Hyundai type thing. You know, you gotta, you gotta do that throughout your day. Um, and also praying in English as well. They're both powerful. Paul mentions that in 1 Corinthians. So we have to be able to do that. Praying consistently. Just the other day, uh, I was talking to a young adult in our young adult ministry. His name is James, and his family is new to this church. And so uh, I've gotten to know James a little bit over the last few months. And when he came down, uh, he kind of, I asked him, you know, what do you do, James? Like, what's your plan for life? Because I ask all of our young adults that. And he was like, well, I'm going to the National Guard. And in my mind, I was like, gosh, dang it, another one is leaving us again because he's going off to be with the National Guard. And so he tells me that. And so a couple months later, you know, I asked him, like, James, what, you know, when are you leaving? When are you, you know, being deployed to your station and all this stuff? And he told me, you know, he was like, well, there's a story behind that. And so he said that he had waited four months to get this uh, appointment with doctors to get a physical and to get, you know, sworn in into the National Guard. And so he waited all this time. And one morning while he was getting clean and showering and getting ready to go and do this thing, he was praying to God and the Lord told him that he's, he was going to reveal his unique will to him that day while he was going. And so he ends up going to this thing, uh, going to the place where he was going to be sworn in and he was going to receive his physical, but the doctor's appointment got canceled and he was going to have to wait even longer. And in that moment, he knew what God's unique will was for his life. But it only happened because he was willing to pray while he was getting ready in the morning. Because he was willing to say, you know what, God, I'm going to talk to you even when I'm getting ready, even when I'm taking a shower, because I'm going to pray with you throughout my day. No matter what I'm doing, it's not just about being in the prayer closet. It's about praying with you, talking with you continually, all the time, consistently. And so if we want to know the unique will of God like James has gotten to know it, we need to be people who pray all the time, pray consistently. So the third one is this. We have to give thanks in all circumstances. And this is the final verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, the first kind of nuance I want us to notice about this verse is that it says, in all circumstances. It doesn't say for all circumstances. 
It says, in all circumstances, we are supposed to give thanks. Not for all circumstances, we're supposed to give thanks. To me, it would be weird to say, God, I thank you for all the arguing that I've been doing with my wife. I love it. It's my favorite thing. God, I thank you for that. No, 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 no. We don't thank him for things that are sinful. Because God did not cause you to sin. God does not cause you to stumble. No, 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 he doesn't do that. We know this is where we say, God, I thank you for this demotion that I just received at my work because I was lazy and I didn't do my job correctly. God, I thank you for that. We, we don't do that. No, 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 no. We thank him in the middle of the circumstance. We don't thank him for the circumstance. What do I mean by this? I mean that when you're in the middle of a tough time, you can thank God that even when you've sinned and you've fallen short, God can turn your sin for good in your life. And you thank him that he's going to take that sin and what was meant for evil in your life, he can turn it for good. This is what Romans 8.28 says, which is my personally favorite verse of the Bible. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, we see that all things again. And I'm here to tell you again, all things means all things. Not just some things. Not just the big things, all things. All things. This means that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we can give thanks because we know that God is working for our good and whatever situation we face, God is going to resolve it in the best way that only he can. Better than we can on our own, God can resolve our problems way better than we could on our own. So we press into him and we give thanks because we know that in everything, God's working out for our good. Now, there is a condition on that promise that I I, I kind of want to explain. It says that all things work out for the good of those who love him. You got to love him. You got to love him. And are called according to his purpose. You've got to be called and trying to walk actively in the purpose that God has given you if you want him to work out every single thing that you have to face. Have you guys ever heard of the saying, hindsight is 2020 before? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've heard of that. And typically when we say hindsight is 2020 is when we have had to make a decision one or the other and we ended up making the wrong decision and we're just like, ah, hindsight's 2020. Like now I know for next time. We say hindsight's 2020, but let me tell you, as Christians, we have the opportunity, and this is really cheesy, we can say foresight is 2020. Because we don't know exactly how it's going to be worked out, but with God, we can trust that it's going to be worked out until it's good. Until it's a finished work, and it's not a finished work until it's good. It says in James that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights. And if it's not good yet, God's not done with it. God is still looking to try and move and work in that area. So, we can give thanks in all circumstances. We we truly can. We can give thanks when we're in need because Philippians 4.19 talks about that he will provide all of our needs. He's going to meet all of our needs in the riches and glory of Christ Jesus. And so we can say, Lord, I thank you that even though I'm in need, I won't be in need for much longer because you provide all of my needs, God. I thank you for that. And when we're anxious, we can go to Philippians 4, 6 through 7, and we can go there and we can say, "Uh, God, I thank you that even though I'm anxious right now, I can come to you in, in supplication and thanksgiving giving, we can present our request to you, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
So God, I thank you for that peace that is available to me. I may not have it right now, but I know it's, gonna, it's, it's for me and I'm going to have it. We, we can be thankful when we're brokenhearted because Psalm 147 verse 3 says that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. So God, I may have a broken heart right now, but I thank you that you heal my wounds, that you take this broken heart and you make it whole again. If you're sick, you can say Isaiah 53 verse 5, which says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And I know that a lot of you guys have been in need in this area of sickness before, and you've prayed this very verse, and what happened? God healed you. God made you whole. Maybe you're overwhelmed, and you can go to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, which says, No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so you just sit there and you say, God, I thank you. I thank you that you have not given me anything that I can't handle with your power and your presence beside me, God. I thank you that you've equipped me with everything I need to do the good works that you've called me to do. And so whether you, any need that you have, you go and you search the scriptures and you just begin to thank him for the promises that he's made about the outcome of those needs, about those areas of your life. And this is why we can give thanks in all circumstances. And even when you're not thinking about these things, even when you're, you're, maybe you're comparing your life to other people, and you're like, man, I don't have it as good as they do. Man, by the grace of God, we were born in the U.S. of A. And I just look at some of these other areas of life, and, or these other areas in the world where, you know, they, they struggle to find food every day, and I'm like, man, God, thank you that I, I was born in a place where I have everything I need, and we don't have to suffer with a lack of abundance. And we should help those people, but at the same time, I'm very thankful that we live here, and so, so we have reasons to be thankful, but the ultimate reason why we can be thankful is this. We can give thanks in all circumstances because we have a Savior who lived the perfect life, didn't sin once, not once, and He, even though He didn't deserve it, with the joy set before Him, endured the cross. Why? Not for selfish gain. Not because it was just something that he wanted to, no one wants to just go to a cross, no. Because when he looked at the cross, he saw us. And he saw the relationship, the reconciliation that we could experience if he endured the cross for us. And that's why when he endured the cross, he did it with joy. And because of that decision, all of our sins have been forgiven. If you call Jesus Lord, there is therefore now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. We, are, we have a reason to be thankful because God lived in a body and he died for us and he forgave us of our sins. So even when life was going horribly, even when life was terrible, we have a reason to be thankful. We have a reason to give thanks in every and all circumstances of our life. So we rejoice always, we pray without ceasing, and we give thanks always. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what I believe is is that when we begin to do these three things in our lives, number one, we're going to be way closer with God than we ever have been before. And that should be our main motive. Like, I want to do the will of God because I want to be closer with God. And the measure with which we do the will of God, the universal will of God, is the measure with which we'll experience God in our day-to-day life. What I mean by this is if you're not doing the will of God very often, you're going to experience very little of the presence of God. But if you're looking to do God's will, if you're a man or a woman after God's heart, you're going to experience a whole lot more of His presence because you made the decision that I'm going to pursue His will. 
and we pursue his universal will first and then the unique will, the unique path that God has laid on your life is going to come naturally. It's gonna happen naturally in your life. And so that is why we need to know the universal will of God, the written will of God. So we're gonna do these things. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances.